Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Two Guys Talking Craft podcast. Unfortunately in this episode we experienced some audio difficulties on recording and despite us trying to rectify it, we haven't quite managed to get a crystal clear audio experience that you're used to on our podcast. But that said, we think there's very valuable things to unpack in this episode all about Karen Colehouse. So stick with it and you'll be sure to squeeze out all the goodness that we have to offer in this episode. Uh, enjoy the episode, guys. Thank you very much. This is Adam from Unstoppable Acting Studio in Scotland. And this is Jared from Actors Approach in America. And together, we are two guys talking craft. A one-hour podcast where we talk about the craft of acting. Explore the various acting techniques from all the master acting teachers. And help you grow your acting skills. Two guys talking craft. Two guys talking craft. It sounds much better when Adam says it. Yeah, it does. This is Two Guys Talking Craft. Hello, sir. How are we doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you hearing me okay, yeah? Uh, I'm hearing you right now, but prior to me getting connected, uh, it was just static. I couldn't hear your voice. Oh, how interesting. But you hear me now. I've got a strange little dot coming up on my screen. Another few, few different options here. That's interesting. Okay. I think Instagram's had an update, Jared, on yeah. the podcast. If people are joining us and logging in, let, please do let us know. Can you? hear us because Jared and I can hear each other but if you're tuning in <laughs> it'd be lovely if you could hear us too um so there we go uh welcome Jared uh I hope you're well hope you're doing fine you're doing well um yeah I'm good I uh how tired are you man so uh for people you know uh unaware of what's behind that question I, I just did a marathon on Sunday and um, I'm holding up okay you know I'm, I'm holding up all right but um, my bones are the thing that hurts. Not my muscles, it's my bones. And I think it's the impact of just pounding the pavement again and again and again. So, yeah, I've got like my feet re- really quite sore and my knees. So I'm getting a nice seat, which is fine. <laughs> you need like a, an ice bath or something just to... Oh, I don't know, yeah. I need, I need someone going on here because it's day three and it's not improving. But hopefully it will. Hopefully it will at some point. But... um. Just before we, we kick off, Joe, I just wanted to say hello to friends, uh, new friends we've got in the countries of Hungary, Nigeria, and Italy. So there's some new uh, new ones for the, the collection there uh, to say hello to. Okay, so Hungary, uh, I will say Hodge uh, Voj. Uh, thank you. Um, I do not know anything in Nigerian, so forgive me. Uh, mm. And in Italian... I know uh, how to say, uh, what are you doing on my island? Uh, always useful. Always useful to know that information. So yeah, you, you never know when you're going to need it. No. Have you, had, have you needed it? Uh, a very long time ago, it was in a play. And the response is, Yo soy journalista americana acreditada. I'm an accredited American journalist. Ah. Oh, I mean, you know, you know bits. I just don't know how useful the bits will be when you go over to Italy. But there we go. Hello, Ameri- uh, Italian friends. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We hope that Jared made you feel very welcome there. Um, so yeah, here we here we go. Uh, mastering 
the, the monologue for, for additions, Jared. And uh, this is a Karen Cohouse special, and I just wondered if you want to share what we're being inspired by tonight, the, the materials that we've looked at and what we've been inspired by. Yeah, a, a wonderful DVD that is the, the living version of the book that she wrote, the monologue audition. Um, great resource, really very, very handy resource. And then wonderful examples of how to apply the tools and then interviews with casting directors and agents and other professionals that are doing the auditing. So yeah, lots of good stuff. Hi highly recommended, really, really uh, understandable and actionable and practical tools. So that's stuff that we love. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. And, and as always, th thank you so much because you, you introduced me to this one once again and um yeah just just hugely practical and it and it got me thinking jared because uh so, so, so the dvd starts with uh a guy that's just frozen he's just frozen in the the audition he can't move you know and it, and it just it did make me think just instantly the start of that all the times that i felt lost within the audition all the times that i, I don't think i've ever felt that physical freezing but I, i've probably felt it inside a little bit like man this isn't how you know I planned out what the room would look like, all these things, and it just got me thinking of that very distinct two things of as actors. I think we're all acutely aware, right, that there's things within our control and there's things that are out with our control, and probably areas that are out with our control often outweigh you know the areas that are in our control, and and quite often I know I've been guilty of it as an actor. My thoughts gravitate towards the areas that are out with my control. And I haven't maybe leaned in and paid as much attention to the areas that are within my control. And if I look back to the additions that haven't quite, you know, went, went the way that I, that I wanted it to go is probably because I was caught up in that world. And I, I just thought it would be nice to, to riff maybe a little bit at the start of just identify what, what are some of those areas that are not within our control? Because within Karen Colehouse's world, we're going to really lean into the areas that are within our control and, you know, really practical measures to make sure we're on top of things that we can leave the audition room feeling like, do you know what? I, I've, I've done my best, the best I can sort of thing, and I have our head held high. But what are areas that are out with our control, Jared, that, that we just feel, you know, uh, no matter what we do, we, we're, we're not going to have any measure on how it pans out. Yeah, so if we're talking about the the old world where it was show up at an audition space as opposed to a self-taped audition. Um, there's, like you're saying, there's so much that we do not have the ability to control. Uh, the time of the audition, the location of the audition, how long you're going to be waiting before you're called to the room, who's in the room, uh, if there's a chair, if there's no chair, if they're behind a desk or not behind a desk. Um, what else? What before you enter? Did uh, I'm I'm seeing you spin for just a second. Uh, oh yeah, I saw you spin as well, man. Yeah, yeah, you're back now. You're back. You know what just happened in the audition just before that could be lingering from an energy perspective in the room and on the auditors. Real um, mm. itself. Sometimes you're given the audition, so yeah. There's there's so Tons, much. Right? <laughs> is thrust upon you. And so yeah. if, like you're saying, if you give too much weight and attention to Oh man, sorry, we're just losing you again there, Jared. But, um, you know, just, just while you 
get back into us and, and hopefully I'll, I'll hear you again, man, in a minute. Um, and, and just like the mood of the auditors as well. Like what kind of day they're having? You know, you, you can't control like any of these things. And I don't know about you. And, and when we get you back in, Jared, like it might be different in the US, these casting rooms, but when you're doing it here in the UK, in London, you end up in this pokey little office space. It's like cramped. You know, you, you don't know where you're going, what room it's going in. You're going up this winding staircase. Next minute, you're in this little tiny space with these three people that are just staring at you. And you're like, okay, I've got to show up here. And you've got very little room to move. <laughs> There's just so many elements that are out with your control. And I always approached it in that, like, do you know what? I know the text. I, I know what I'm doing here. I'm just going to show up and... Uh, you know, see see what happens, sort of thing. And uh, you know, as long as I'm in the moment and things th- things will happen. But these things really do throw you. And unless you have, it's mentioned by one of the casting directors at the start of the DVD. Unless you have a game plan, yeah. like of some yeah. kind, as to how you're going to go in and how you're going to approach things, you leave yourself open and vulnerable just to get lost, to get sucked up into, you know, a reactionary state of what's going on in that moment, and 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 just not applying yourself in the best way. And I think the more years that I, I've practiced the craft of acting and I've thought about it and things, the more certain I am of this, that, that there isn't really any excuse to not have that accountability of knowing that you've went in and applied you, yourself in the best way that you can, that you've, you've identified the areas that are within your control that you can work on and that you've gone in and you've given it your best shot. You, you can't control the outcome. That, that's completely out of your hands. That is out of your control 100%. But as long as you've went in, you've been confident and happy with what you can share in that, that moment, you've done everything you can to prepare, then you've done your job, you know, and, and you've made a, a fantastic impression on those people. You can't not if you, if you focus on those, on those things. Um, and you never know when it might spring up in the future that they might be interested in seeing you again and things. But, um, but yeah, that, that was just my, my thoughts on what's in our control, what's, what's not in our control. And do we have you back now, Jared? Are you with us? Are you here? <laughs> can you hear I, I think- I can hear you. Yes, yeah, yeah. So let's 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 see. Let's see how it goes. Um, I can. Yeah. Um, as you said at the start of this, yeah, really yeah. practical, actionable techniques. It reminded me of this. Like, I'm a big fan of this guy David Brailsford, who um, trained the the Tour de France, the British cycling team, the Tour de France, and he mentioned about this thing called marginal gains, right? Little by little by little, one little thing, one little, little tiny thing. No, none of this is huge. Like, none of this is what we're going to share is huge. But it's what? a magnitude of tiny things. Yeah. Just leave one, you know, raise millimeter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. These these tiny little things you can do. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's these things as well. Like, like none of it is revolutionary re- reinventing the wheel. But it's things like if you know it, you know it and you're always going to do it. And if you don't know it, <laughs> you're not going to do it. So, like, um, no, I, th- I think we should just dive into this world and, and share some of our... Uh, strategies and techniques but just before we do really interesting to start that video hearing from real life casting directors and what they're looking for as well for somebody walking into the audition room because as actors we think it's all about us we think you know it's it's our moment to shine our moment to share and how many of us actually put ourselves in the shoes of those people on the other side of the table and think what are they looking for what <laughs> what do they want so there's some great stuff at the start of that video right mentioning that i was at in with my York City a few years ago, and sitting there were two casting that I was absolutely easy. And 
Can you hear me okay? So, 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 you're, you're popping a little bit. You're, you're in and out a little bit, Jen. Let, let's see, Phil. Let's see how it goes. Um, you'd let me know if I should drop and come back. Uh, what, should I drop and come back? Um, I don't know. What? Uh, just not really practical. What are you? Is your internet connection all right today? All that stuff? Or, yeah. yeah, as far as you know. Yeah, let's check. And um, I'm on full bars as well. Um, don't know, because we dropped out and came in again. I don't know, man. What, 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 let's just see how it goes. Let's just see how it goes. So my my audio is okay enough, or is it? Um, out of all forty six episodes we've done, it's it's the worst it's been. Okay, forty six episodes. I'll be I'll be back. I'll be back. All right, cool. Jared will just pop back in again. But um, I'll just share some of this these things that the casting directors at the start of the DVD uh, was saying that that they were looking for, and it's like if you focus on each one individually, it might feel a little bit overwhelming, but they all have differences of opinion, right? It's all, it's all very subjective, but some of it's really, really practical advice to look at and, and follow as well. Um, quite often I've been in an audition and I just think, if they just see my potential, that's, that's enough. If they just see what, what I could do, and that's going to be enough to, to take me in and, and get me to the next level. But it, one of the casting directors mentioned, well, I can only see what I see in that moment. You know, like, like I can't see what could be, and they don't really want to take the chance on this could work, it may work, it might not work. Um, so, you know, they, they need to see it there and then. You know, obviously you've had a limited time. You're not, you're not going to manage to show the fully fleshed character that you're going to be able to through rehearsal and all that stuff. But they want you to, and I think you're going to mention this, Jared, right? They want you to solve a problem for them, right? I, th I think you made a note about this. Yeah, I did. Hopefully the video is better now. Fingers crossed that uh, you can hear me better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if I need to drop again, I will. But no, so I was sitting next to uh, casting directors and they were having a what I say. Why these actors so, so bad? Why can't they just be prepared, be professional, be polite, and get the fuck out of my house? <laughs> and I'm sitting there, oh my God. Yeah. They sat through an entire day, people that were self-serving, that were not thinking how they actors can help the cast solve a problem. And we have to reframe what we do when we go in there. We need to be polite. We need not um, take over the space and feel like we own it, right? Uh, Show up like you're a guest at a. I think maybe Philip said this something like that. Just be, be a polite person. Be something that people want to know. Work and choose material. This was from, from Karen Kohlhaas's DVD. Choose material that represents not your range. Eventually, could be. They're looking to see who you are. So show them. Yeah, no, brilliant. And, and it, it does, it just reminds me of a callback to our Tim Phillips episodes, which you can catch on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good places. But, you know, him mentioning, you know, if, it, if you're polite, if you're prepared, it already puts you in the character, in the category, sorry, of around about the top 10%. And then it's mentioned by one of these casting directors in this DVD. He's like, you're in the top 10% if, you, if you're prepared and you're enjoying yourself, <laughs> like, and you're relaxed, chilled. All of that, like that—that's what they're looking for, you know. 
there's so many people that show up and do too much. It's a, it becomes like a circus act for them, you know, like uh, that they've just raised the stakes of this audition. I need to get, I must get, they come in tense. It just, and, and it's just not something that they can, they can work with, you know. So stay relaxed, stay polite, be prepared. There's some, some general advice, isn't it, from, from these people? Just showing the, the DVD and I'll, uh, I'll flash it. Okay, the monologue connected to the monologue house. Oh, great. Great. No, thank you very much, man. Um, I think, I mean, I, I don't have anything else on what this cast and director shared, shared at the, the start, but um, yeah, shall we go into some of these? these in fact, you, you had some really nice notes, Jared. I don't know if you want, you want to share them on Good Direction good acting and, and good showmanship but it just sort of to, that, that was really nice I thought oh okay well okay. verbatim for, but Full uh, House said uh, clear staging do and that tells you every time you'd have any good acting I'm hearing an act yeah, back. man, it's still, yeah, it's not resolved itself for our sound issues this season. I don't know. Um, yeah, try, try and, yeah, let's see, moving around might work. I don't, I don't know, but hey, yeah. we've had a good run of sound issues because we, we're on episode 46 and other than the time that the, um, the Aberdeen internet, like, just failed uh, for some mad reason uh, during the pandemic, <laughs> we haven't had any major sound issues in Two Guys Talking Craft. So if you are like tuning in for the first time, you're like, oh man, these guys have sound issues stuff. We don't, we don't. It's just today on episode 46, all right? Cut, cut us some slack. There's over 46 hours of quality, quality uh, episodes out there to check out. Um, so Jared, when he comes back, he'll do talk about, about uh, Karen Colehouse's uh, ideas and good direction, good acting, good uh, showmanship. I think I'll, I'll rattle forward and just share with you guys about choosing material just now uh, as well. But here's Jared back, so he might manage to jump in and carry on with us. Let's see. Let's see what happens. It is what it is, people. We, we're at the mercy of the world of the internet technology here. Here he is. New place, new location. Well, we'll see. Yeah. It just it, it seems like the uh, yeah this maybe the internet is just really spotty or something's going on today. I've tried it both uh, with Wi-Fi and not. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's stronger now. That's stronger now. Let's let's see. Let's see if yeah. you, if you or not. So so we'll see, man. It's, um... All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab my computer and just go into another room. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I, I'll I'll check about choosing the material while she while she gets set up and stuff. So okay. Um, so I mean, I've I've been very guilty of this in the past when I've had the opportunity to choose material, which sometimes you will get the chance to. I've thought this is my chance to shine. This is my chance to impress. And um, I, I do, or I've done in the past, fallen into the trap of choosing material that is just not close to me and who right. who I am. You know, um, I've chose things that have been a stretch. I've fallen into a trap of something that was mentioned in the DVD of um, you know just uh, using something that's like. Uh, beyond me yeah that, that that's not not close to me whatsoever um and there's a a time that i i did that specifically when i was a i had a massive audition for the royal shakespeare company over here in um the uk and i thought this is this is a perfect chance to 
show yeah what I can do because they'd already seen me do a few things. I was like, I'm going to show that I can do Richard the Second because people think of me as like this gruff sort of Scottish actor. I'm going to show like like I have a softer side and and everything. And they say explicitly in the DVD, right? Don't use it as an opportunity to work through your, your acting and problems, yeah. you know. And I did exactly that. And I worked so hard on it. I did all my preparation. You know, to me, I, I shared it with friends and stuff. I'd done it. I was ready to go in and impress. And the, the feedback I got instantly was, nah, you should have done something that was closer to your casting. I was like, I blew it. I blew the opportunity simply because for some mad reason, some I think it came from ego, I was trying to impress the, the, the panel in some way that was inauthentic to who I was. And and I think if you do get the chance to choose your own material, it, it's a blessing, right? Like, like you, yeah, again, quite often it's not an element that's in, within our control, the material. But finally, you get to find something that can be within your control. And it's about you knowing who you are as an actor. Realistically, in the industry, what kind of thing you're going to be cast as. And, um, yeah, leaning, leaning into that. Like, like that is your, your strength. That That is... Um, believe me, what makes you unique is 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 you and being authentic to you and choosing a piece that's, that's close to you. So, I, I think if you get the opportunity, it's rarer and rarer these days that you do uh, to pick your own monologue. Don't have it stretched too far from you, you know. Um, but yeah, John, I feel like we've leaped over. Yeah, your um, what you were going to say with good showmanship and good acting, good directing. Sorry, yeah, let, let's go back to that. We can come back to choosing. Can you tell me if it's. Yeah, still. Yeah. <laughs> should we should we stop? Should what do you want to do? Hey, do you know what, man? It's been at the twenty minute mark. I mean, it's not it's not improved massively since since we started twenty minutes. So yeah. where, where are you? Where are you in the world? Like you in Alaska or something? Pennsylvania. <laughs> are you in the Poconos? But you've done you've done ones from Poconos before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let me go. Wow. I'm gonna try to go off Wi-Fi one. One last time. Let's try one last time. Hey, man, we, we, we know we'll make it work. It's all good. It's all good. Let's see. So I'm, I'm off I'm off Wi-Fi now, but it's, I'm here and it's choppy. See, I'm hearing you better now. Oh, yeah? But then okay. it does, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it does, it does break up after a little while. So let, let's just see. Uh, all right. Well, then, good direction. Clear staging that's fun to do and that tells your story every time just like you'd have in a well-rehearsed play. And these are things that you can control and should work on. The second one was good acting. Creating a real spontaneous two-way conversation when you act without having to look at the people who are auditioning you. I thought that that one was really important, that it was a two-way conversation. It's not just... And, and even if it's a soliloquy, you're talking to yourself. You're not just sending it out. It's it's sending and receiving, sending and receiving. And so if it's a monologue and the other person is there, you have to create them and experience their response to you. Mm. And then the last one is good showmanship. Uh, that you've taken care of the whole audition. You're never hiding from your audience. You're always clearly seen and heard. You're relaxed and professional from the way you start to the way you end your monologue. Nice. And and I think, you know, a little expansion of that, they, they explicitly mentioned, right, that you enter with a smile, 
you leave with a smile. If you've been caught in traffic, if you've had the worst day, you're not bringing that energy into the room. All of those things would be falling under the realm of professionalism, right? The, the showmanship. And, um, and it also, you know, it's far over the top with, this is my space and I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to give you a show right now. And here we go. And because then it becomes circus act territory, which is mentioned by the casting directors as well, right? Yeah, be respectful. Right? Don't, don't approach the desk and knock things off the desk and get into their space. You know, just be, be a respectful human being. You know, they, they, want to, they want to find somebody that they want to work with. So be that, be that kind person. Yeah. There he is, Jared. I think we've got you back, man. I think this is it, man. I think you've been, you've been very um, loud and clear for the past couple of minutes oh, now. So good. I think, yeah, I think we're ready to roll here. Um, so yeah, uh, anything to add on, on choosing the material, Jared? It, it was mentioned that as well about age range. You know, you, you don't want to pick anything. I, I think that just is self-explanatory. Really. Like if you want to pick something that's close to your type as an actor, what you're being seen as in the industry, don't pick something if you're 30 where you're having to play a 70 year old right yeah uh, out of everything that was inside the choosing your material section the one thing that really hit home for me that you mentioned earlier was the audition is not a place for you to work out your acting challenges your acting problems that's for class right pick material that shows who you are if you have an opportunity to do two pieces, okay, so then one like you, one that might be a bit of a stretch, but they they see what you do, but they don't know who you are if you don't pick something that represents the type of actor that you truly are and the roles that they will ultimately uh, look to cast you in. Yeah, yeah, no, brilliant. Yeah, no, this is it. Like... And, and that's what they want to see, right? They, they want to see who you are and how you can solve their problem there and then. And if, if you can't solve the problem there and then, it's not a disaster, yeah. right? It's not the end of the Maybe world. Like, so they have a problem. So yeah. you're just showing up and giving the best version that you can of trying to solve their problem, giving them an option. You, you're giving them a menu to choose from. And like, it, it's fine as long as you've shown up and given the best version of that offering that you can, you know, that, that is it. We're going to keep going back to that, isn't it? Um, some of the uh, other massive yeah, I, I wanted to share another comment that was made with inside this section about choosing the material. Mm. Uh, a lot of actors struggle, like from experience as a coach, I know that I've seen a lot of the same monologues again and again and again, and it's laziness. People will go on to Google and they'll type in, you know, male dramatic monologue, and then they'll take the first, you know, few. And so, one of the casting directors, I one of, one of the people that was being interviewed said something along the lines of, is there something about the world that you find intolerable and have something to say through the piece that you selected, right? So find something that really stimulates something in you and then find a monologue that represents that point of view so that you're passionate about it. So look for things in the world that are intolerable and then go find a piece. Amazing. It's like you had a premonition as to what Dale's question was going to be there, Chad, because I think you just answered that question. You know, like, like I, I think, yeah, like, like if a well-known piece speaks to you and answers that that thing, or you know, that I was just just talking about, that then go for it. And it, it, but it's it's just that thing in that DVD. 
the casting directors were really quite militant about the fact, I, like they're like, I can't even listen to this monologue anymore. Like I've heard it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> great, I, I just switch off or whatever, and it, it really probably carries in your favour to have a dexterous amount of monologues to be playing with and continuing to review and renew which which monologues you can you can draw from and and finding un, unusual places. But also, it shows that you're really serious about your craft as well, right? Like I, I think there's something in that like. This is somebody that's um, a serious professional here. If you are up to date on some of the latest plays or some of you know the latest TV series, this is somebody who's interested in this world and this industry, rather than picking someone that's cookie cutter. But but I, yeah, Dale, I've, I've done it before. I've, I've picked well-known pieces just because I felt no, I can fit into this as, as well. But it's just you play that risk, I guess. You know. So I I read so uh, Dale, hello. Hope, hope that you're doing well. Good good to see you. Uh, the way I read Dale's question, uh, he says, "What about altering well-known pieces because they speak to you?" So I, I have a, an opinion about it, but it's not necessarily right or wrong. It's just an opinion. Um, I, I think that your job as the actor is to justify this the piece as it's written. You are not the writer, and so making if if I'm reading your question right about using the the term altering, um, if you're talking about rewriting in a, in a way to make it fit your agenda, it doesn't sit right with me. I I think find a piece that actually speaks to you and use it. But your job is to be the actor, not the playwright, and rewrite something. And if that the auditor knows the piece well enough and knows that you've edited that particular script, you may plant a seed in them that, hey, if I cast this person, he's going to try to edit the script in the production, and that's not what we want. And so I'm not looking for a playwright. I'm looking for an actor. So just be simple. Mm. Say the words of the script. Mm. Um, this is, uh, he, uh, Dale said... Uh, he found a piece that was meant for a female and changed it for a male. Uh, look, I, I think that Dale in, in today's world, in today's society, um, we need to be um, very humble and sensitive to um, gender and gender biases. And so just because a piece happened to be written for a male does not mean that a, a woman can't have a perspective about it and feel connected to it and vice versa. So in that case, uh, not changing the text, but choosing um, a piece that was originally written for um, a female, uh, biologically assigned at birth. Right. So uh, I, I think that there's a lot of fluidity and flexibility from that perspective. Um, that may be part of, you know, your introduction, or if they ask you afterwards, hey, so tell me something about you. You may say, well, you know, I was really drawn to this piece. I know it was originally written um, for a woman and I'm a man um, and identify, you know, as a man. Um, but this piece spoke to me because of this. And, and you know, that, then I get to know you a little bit more. So I think I'm, I'm very comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I'm really excited as well, John. I just saw, I don't, I don't know if he's still around, but Bill Blackwood has just joined us. Bill Blackwood is a fantastic actor here in the UK. Um, he's, he's just recently done a Channel 4 TV series and, and a few other bits. And it's, it's like he knew, but that monologue that I've shared with you that we were maybe going to work on an episode two of the Karen McCall House episodes was, was yeah. a, a monologue that I worked on with Bill 
a little while back. So, Bill, if if you're here and you're still with us, thank you so much, man. You, you gave us inspiration for the monologue we're going to use as part of these exercises. So, thanks, Bill. <laughs> he's, he, he's maybe in the house. I don't know. Um, lovely. So, that's a bit about choosing the material. It's yeah. a bit about the opinions of uh, the casting directors, things that are in our control, things are, that are out with our control. Shall we go into these really practical steps now of starting to direct your monologue? It's, yeah, it's about sure. to form your game plan, how you're going to be entering the room. And yeah, again, Karen Cole has full of really practical advice of, of this, of, of you showing up and making the most of every second that you're in that audition room. And um, I've, I've never really thought of it in these terms, Jared, is that I'm a director of my monologue going in. I've always thought of it in terms of I'm an actor going and showing what I can do but actually reframing that thinking but I, I've done a lot of this stuff I've just not thought of it in this way yes but why wouldn't you why wouldn't you take the time to give your monologue and and any edition piece really as much shape as you can for going in because we've already spoke about the unpredictability of the rooms you're walking into the you know the people that you're going to be performing for so why not have a shape to things that no matter what room you're in no matter who's in front of you no matter who the reader is that you can be consistent with with a number of different things every single time that, that you do it. And you can show the best that you can in the very short space of time that you're in the room. So I love that. I love that reframing of you directing your monologue. I don't know. Is that is that something you, you've been aware of in auditions and you've thought of in auditions yourself? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, I have, for many years, I've taken on the mantle of... Uh, I'm the director, I'm the producer, I'm the costume designer, I'm the makeup and hair, hair. I'm the makeup uh, you know, artist, like, I'm, I'm it all. I'm a one-man production company. Yes, you know, you, you have to. But I, I think, with why would you not, the answer is most actors, they're either, they're not thinking about it, it from that perspective, or they're more focused on arriving at an emotional result because they feel that if they can show an emotional state, an emotional volatility, an emotional range, that that's what the casting director will make their casting decision on. And that's not necessarily the, the, the case. It's not necessarily true. And so it's too myopic of a view. And, and they mentioned this as well, right? That it, it stops you from doing that, from falling into a general wash of the, of the monologue, just, just trying to achieve an emotion and just falling into a pattern, like a general idea of, yeah, one note, you maybe got a really short piece, you just went in, you, you've delivered one note completely. So I love that. I loved how she just started to really simply, marginal gains, you know, these little simple twists. Yes. How do you break uh, an addition monologue, Jared? What did she recommend? So directing your monologue means making staging choice for every part of it so that you know what you're going to do physically when you go into the room. When you don't make those choices, you're probably going to end up directing yourself in your head in the audition. That's the worst thing that can happen is that you're actually outside of your body, observing yourself auditioning and self-editing, self-critiquing and just sabotaging the entire moment because you're not present at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've been guilty. I've, I mean, come on, we've all been there. Definitely been there, definitely been there. Or yeah again it's just you haven't directed it and you, and you just try to be in the moment as much as you can yeah and it's just that like one thing you, you you just deliver you know i think it's 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 two things you can be guilty of by not not directing uh directing your piece and thinking it through um 
So she, she mentions about the all monologues. You can break it up into having a beginning, a middle, and not an end, but a climax, right? Yeah. Um, and, and identifying those within, within each. What's different from an end and in, in, in the climax, Jared, uh, in a monologue? Well, a climax doesn't necessarily have to be the very last sentence, mm. right? The, uh, the climax is the, I think she's, she defines it as the moment of the highest tension. And it comes at the end, near the end, but it's not necessarily always the end, but it's the highest tension. And so find out what that is and lead the, we talked about this in the Tim Phillips one too, that the playwright is in, in like a 30 minute episode, they've got, you know, 20 ish minutes to tell a story, tell a few stories. And so they're walking you down a very narrow path. And so if you miss what the climax is, you're missing the point of the audition piece. And so walk the auditors down that very narrow path by identifying that gripping beginning Hook them, you know, make a, a bold statement so that they're interested in learning more. Share the, the content of your perspective in the middle, working your way towards the highest tension of the climax, and then end. Mm -hmm. And then when you're done, take a moment and say thank you like a human being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. But, but, but just by doing these three simple things, yeah. you're giving yourself a roadmap through the journey of the text. And, uh, you know, quite often, I, I, yeah, again, I keep referring myself in this instance rather selfishly. Yeah. I know I've done it. And I know there'll be hundreds of other actors out there that and I haven't done it that just haven't identified this is the journey that, that the text goes, goes through. And, and, and this is the, as you say, the main part, part of the tension of, of, of the piece in the text, it's just, I've given them a blah, like I, I just a, a wash of stuff and it's like, yeah, pick out what was good out of that and then a walk out sort of thing. Whereas at least if you identify these things, you know that you've been thoughtful about it. You know that you've given them the, the journey and that you've probably given them something to consider and think about because it's, it's a well thought through performance. You know? So very simple. We, we have... Um, a monologue. We're probably not going to do it in tonight's episode, Jared, right? Um, but we were going to start to apply some of these strategies uh, and uh, techniques to to a piece of text as well. So if you tune in the next week's episode, you know, we're talking about some of these practical strategies. You should start to see exactly how you can apply it and how you can look through applying it as well. Um, so yeah, tune in for, for, I'm saying next week, but two weeks' time, our next episode will be, we'll be yeah. doing that as well. Um, Part of the direction as well is, is another piece of text work, and it, it always does. This is a common theme in talking craft, right? That it just always starts from the text and having a dexterous understanding and relationship with the text that you're working from. Um, but she starts to talk about chunks and um, descriptions as well, right? Um, now, my how I'd usually describe chunks is what she's describing as uniting. Like every time that there's a shift in the text that you identify that. That, that, that's a, a new thought, a new moment, and it allows you to move away from just having a, a general wash of emotion, a, a, a one note per performance, as you said earlier on, uh, with the monologue. I like to think of uniting is almost like the, the monologue that you're performing is like an album. Back in the day, people used to listen to albums. Now it's all the shuffle generation, right? But if you imagine you've got your music album and that you're 
little shifts that you're finding, or in Karen Callhouse's world, your chunks are like little songs on the album, you know? Like an album's made up of so many emotions, different thoughts, different feelings, different stories, and that each little thing is like a little little moment within the, the album. That's how I like to think of it. You, you, you made some great references to your analogy on chunking as well, right? That's a, a good... Yeah, it's a good analogy. Good. Mm. Other people have called them uh, uh, beats. You know, it's a, a shift in a beat, a shift in a thought, a shift in an energy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The, the, the general takeaway with what, what I learned and what I felt is that it's, I'm mean, look, this, this may be um, amazingly astonishing to a brand new actor. Um, it's not, her approach is not necessarily um, innovative in terms of bringing new concepts that have never been invented before. What she's done is she's compiled uh, dependable and reliable tools and thoughts and philosophies and processes into a practical approach that if you follow all of them, you're going to be doing, you know, more than, more than most, but yeah. at a bare minimum, if you do a handful of these tools, um, you're really setting yourself up to stand apart. I think somebody said like uh, on the video, like 10% of the actors come in prepared. And so even if you're just giving thought to, you know, these, this is what I want to do from a beginning, middle, and then this is the climax of the piece. I'm sort of breaking it up into different chunks and this chunk feels like this and this chunk feels like that. As long as mm. you've done that work, you're, you're totally separating yourself. Yeah. The, if, you, if you're not getting the, uh, the feeling of what the chunking will be, all that stuff, we, we will demonstrate exactly how yeah. you put the text in um, our next episode, 100%. But it, it is that, isn't it? Each little moment has, has a certain feeling to it, a certain shift. And even if you've went through that exercise of identifying those, which is just putting a, a line through the text every time you feel there's a new a new shift. Personally, as an actor, sometimes I'd even name those shifts. I'd give them a little little name as well. But it kind of call us doesn't quite go that far as to say that she's just like just make the the shifts. Even if you've done that exercise, subconsciously, you have broken up the text a lot more than when you when you haven't done it. And you're going to go in, and now you're going to have even more of a roadmap, even more of a journey through the text. You're going to have yeah. the beginning, the climax. And you're gonna have all these little mini shifts that are happening in between. What you just said was exactly what I was uh, about to share. Where you say you name the different sections, the different units. Uh, look, I listened to a, a really beautiful audio lecture from Michael Chekhov, where he said, uh, "If he has, I mean, he's got an amazing." elegant and complex approach to the craft of acting. And in this lecture, he said, look, at the end of the day, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, at the end of the day, if you want the easy version of all of this, just this section, just write down, that's the sad section. This section, that's the mad section. This section, that's the loving section. Just, just name them, just label the different sections. That's it. He says, and if you do that, you've done more than most people. And he goes, and if you understand what I'm telling you and you're disappointed, then you really get it. Because it's, mm -hmm. it could be that simple, right? Mm -hmm. But the way that she talks about chunking and the descriptions is 
very much along the lines of the types of um, actions, and she uses actions later on, but it feels very like actually from Stanislavski, where she's saying the description of the chunk should be an adverb and a verb combined that really stimulates something in you. So I um, seductively entice, mm -hmm. or I uh, clumsily flirt, uh, yep. or I um, aggressively demand. So yep. I define it in a way with my adverbs and my verbs, and that you'll, your body's going to know if you've picked the right ones because it's going to inspire a certain uh, visceral experience for you. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and yeah, again, play, playing around with these as well, isn't it? Like, like that, you know, you, you'll feel like, like just by doing that out loud, which ones stick and which ones are are right, and yeah, you know, play is is the thing as, as much as you can within the time limit of getting the, you know, the addition through, and, and knowing how long you've got to prepare, just play with it until you feel like, oh, the, this is these are the ones that, that feel good and right. When you're in the addition room, Jared, should you be? Like, you know, there, and, and you know, I'm being quite facetious here, but should you be thinking, hmm, patiently instructs and then going into your line and then happily inspires? Or do we just give over and trust that that, that work and preparation <laughs> has been done, Jared, when we're in the room and just go for it? Yeah, no, you, you should uh, very much actually say out loud your uh, descriptions before each line. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, it's, it's a rhetorical question. I think with the rehearsal process, you get comfortable and you don't need to think about what you've written down as your descriptions. They're just part of naturally how you are delivering it. Uh, I, like I did, I did it online. Or I, I wrote down, you know, my approach to the monologue. Beautiful, beautiful, yeah. yeah. Well, this is it. And, and through going going through that and, and doing that exercise, right? It just it deepens your relationship with that 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 text, doesn't it? Like like you start to have more and more of a connection to it. And beautiful. Ultimately, you know, in essence, what we are is is storytellers as well, isn't it? And and it, and it just helps add so much wash of color to the to the story that we're that we're telling and you're no longer an actor in the room like they're literally able to engage with the words that you're you're saying then and it's just because you've taken the time to map out the, the journey of the text again that beginning middle and climax thing and then filled in the gaps of each moment to moment of of that and, and you've made every word that you're saying count in that addition and yeah, again, even if we want to share anything else, you know, on her techniques, on her strategies, if you've just done that, like I think you can leave with your head held high. If you've made every word that you say count in some way, you know, and leveraged it as much as you can, that, that, that you've filled in all the all the details, all that you can, you've been specific as you can, boom, you're done. Walk away and, and feel like you've done a good job in any edition, I think. Yeah. I... I did have some struggles with this section um, and it's probably good to talk about because what I found was there's certain parts of my process and, and I, and your process from knowing you for so long that were not included in her approach that I, I need 
they were not present. And so because these, and I'll share some of these things that were not present and uh, we didn't give thought to them. I found that in this particular section of the descriptions that I was being 100% congruent to mm -hmm. the words of the script. And I, mm -hmm. I found that I was, um, by the end of it, although it had variety and it made sense, I felt that it was probably um, a little bit on the nose and predictable that like it, I was expressing it in a way that was expected or anticipated. And so the things that were missing for me um, are things like, um, who am I? Where am I? What just happened? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Who are they? Who are they to me? And there, there was like piece, some of it was covered in terms of like the as ifs and things like that. But there's pieces of her approach that were not part of my standard process that for whatever reason, because they were not contemplated in this exercise, I found myself being less creative in terms of finding the opposites and falling a little bit victim to the the descriptions as being the literal and although it, although it was good and, and i appreciated the variety of it as i worked through it uh, i desired uh, moments where i i would go opposite in my descriptions uh, to just find even more layers. And so I was guilty because I allowed myself to be pulled into the predictable. It's not necessarily um, inherent in uh, this particular approach. It's just because I didn't include the other stuff that I normally do. I neglected to remind myself about finding the opposites and being less congruent and on the nose all the time. So that was a part of my struggle with it. Yeah, no, I hear you, and I, yeah, I, I get that. So I, I don't know where it came in the DVD, and I don't know who said it, and I don't even know if it was Karen Collins herself that said it, but it was, it was like we do these things to allow us to be free in the addition room. You know, you get me, like, like, like in, I understand, yeah, like when you do this planning out, this rigid chunking and descriptions that, yeah, you probably yeah. do fall into congruent uh, path of what is logical and, and not really think of, like, you know, the, the more illogical option. But, but then I also feel... If you do that, if you do that work, yeah, then it allows you to throw it away because you've done the work and to be a bit more That's free. Fair. Whereas what I fell into the trap of many, many times in additions, you know, and probably still would walking in an addition room is I've read the text, I'm gonna be free with it now. And I'm gonna give like an interesting performance on, on, on this. And like what I hadn't done was filled in the blanks of the, of the journey, you get me? So so I, I think having that discipline for me and that, that control over mapping things out would be really, really helpful for me because naturally I am, yeah, Meisner trained and as, as, as are you, you know, and I lean in much more to just showing up and, and, and seeing what happens and all, all that, you know, stuff. But I, yeah, quite often I, I didn't do that really detailed work, just, just personally, you know, so I, I feel it would be really helpful to me to go through those exercises and things. So, no, it's, um, yeah, but I totally see your point, 100%. I do. And it goes back to the old two guys talking craft catchphrase that there's not one way of doing things. And if anybody ever tells you that um, an acting teacher tells you there's one way to do things, then you, you don't listen to them, right, Jared? That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. So I... Um... I appreciated what I what I learned and was reminded of 
um, after having gone through that and finding the adverbs and the verbs in the descriptions of the different chunks, because it really did give it wonderful variety, although logical and, and aligned with, you know, the emotionality of the words. Um, uh, I am of the school where if all you do is 100% congruent, then you're probably going to be delivering a piece that is going to be very similar to most of the people that are going to be presenting it. And so challenge yourself to find a little bit more of the subtext and may, and which then, you know, helps you find the variety and maybe later on in, in the approach, when she gets into the, as if, uh, maybe through the, as if I, I could find some of those incongruent moments to, place inside the different chunks strategically to give it like ad additional stuff that makes me feel good about it too yeah yeah no it's about making it work for you man yeah it's um yeah it's it's, it's a toolkit to work from but um i tell you what Jerry, we, we pro do we have enough time to cover the, the physical aspects of, of things the size and speed yeah 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 we do so. a little bit of that yeah yeah, yeah definitely I, I love this as well like yeah, again, really practical, practical advice. How, how many times I've walked into? I mentioned at the start, right? These small, cramped. Oh, and I never heard from from you yet. What what the addition rooms tend to be like there over in the US? But I don't know if you caught that bit when we were coming in and out of uh, connection. No, but what was it? in London, you know, if you go in for an addition, yeah, you're going to be in these. You tend to go into these office blocks almost, like like these really tiny sort of office books. You've got these winding staircases, you are like, you have yeah. no idea which room you're going in. You're like looking about, where, where am I going to go to, all this stuff. And you go in and it's just this tiny cramped space, usually windowless. And you're, you're really, really close up to the um, the auditors and in, in the, in their table and things. And you have very little room to maneuver. And instantly, if you've been practicing in this big space um, and you move this more, it just, it totally throws you. I love the idea of having things you do physically and knowing what you do physically um, that is very controlled in a sense. It's very thought out and, and paved out for you walking in, but ultimately it comes across as really natural when, when she shared about size and speed. But yeah, first of all, what, what are the addition rooms like over with you? They're in LA and New York and stuff. What, what does it tend to be like? <laughs> well, I'm thinking of the different uh, rooms in Manhattan. Um, that I've been in, and it's a variety. It really depends upon the production itself. But uh, yeah, I've been in winding staircases, and it's just, you know, um, an agent, um, you know, is renting like a one-room, you know, uh, utility closet because that's all they could afford in Manhattan. Uh, and, you know, you're, you're right up close to, to them. Uh, I've been in places where for the day or for the weekend, the production company will rent a, uh, a room or a theater inside of a larger facility that has a ton of classrooms. Um, so it's, it's, it's a variety. It's not necessarily one thing. Um, yeah. And then I've auditioned actually, you know, standing on a stage in a theater, yeah. you know, and tr trying to fill that whole space with the auditors, you know, many rows back. Yeah, yeah. No, so it's, I mean, I think it gives even more validation to, you know, t taking control of what, what you do physically, like, like, because otherwise you might just be rooted to the spot. You might be a rabbit, a deer caught in the headlights, right? And um, 
it allows you yet again to add that extra layer of variety of what you're doing through the text of, of giving a journey to, to the authors as well. Um, but yeah, we'll share some of these, these sort of physicalities that you can, you can go through. And she, in the DVD, has the actors walking around the space, right, in, the, in these different modes and these different sort of sizes and speeds. Very simple suggestions, but, but hugely effective, right? Hugely effective, yeah. I mean, so I've explored this in Chekhov. I've explored this with Eric Morris, where the stride length and the stride speed will manifest different emotions, thoughts, memories, characters, you know, in you. So, yeah, like get up and walk around. And so she says there's four, right? Big and fast. So like large steps, fast, small and fast, big and slow, and then small and slow. And each of those movements, physically moving, create different things in you. And interestingly, mm. so I was up and about and I was walking around and experiencing it. And I knew, uh, having done it before, that it affects me. Mm. But I also tried what sort of big and fast, big and slow, small and fast, small and slow gestures might I make with my hand or my face if I was going to be using that technique while doing a self-tape and I'm here, mm. you know. And so I can be big and fast in my, you know, in, in my hand movement. I can be, you know, slow and small with my hand movement. So I wrote, I wrote down one for um, one of the lines in the monologue is smell your last flower. And, um, you know, I, I wrote down um, sensorily experience, you know, and my movement was small and slow since and you smell your last flower. And just if if I'm contained in film as opposed to being on stage, why not use the concepts of big and fast, big and slow, small and fast, small and slow, you know, inside the frame. Really lovely. No, that's that's a really nice idea. I never thought about it in terms of use it within a self tape. Um, and and even she recommends right as soon, as soon as you walk in the room, thinking of the type of character that you that you're playing, like like as well, like how how do you want to walk into the the room do you, do you yeah. want to be going in big and fast or small and slow or whatever it might be and then equally you you know you you have your chat with the um auditors all that stuff your general sort of small talk they say okay you're ready to go then you take your moment and she recommends right that you go into this this physicality to start off that you start it off in some kind of physicality and then boom go go into the monologue sort of thing um and yeah Quite often, I, I don't think about that. It's worth noting at this point as well, that the casting directors, they, they went in at this part and, and recommended, like, a lot of them prefer an actor to stand rather than to sit. It was, it was something that they mentioned, right? And, and that was, like, a, an eye-opener too, you know? Like, quite often, there was a chair there. You're sitting having the chat and stuff. I, I will tend to sort of stay in the chair sometimes, but to know that, no, like, go up into the space and, and have that presence in the space as well. Like, um, it's, it's going to be a good thing. Yeah, I'm having a memory. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, in terms of auditioning and sharing who you are, picking a piece that's, you know, sort of like you, I'm just, I'm remembering the insecurity that I had when I was younger and the, 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 the need to try to present who I thought I could be as opposed to just share who I was. 
And two, two things. I remember my headshot. Uh, I took this, this, this headshot. I had a cigarette. And I had on a leather, I had on a leather jacket, and I'm all like crouched over with a sign behind me, no smoking. And I had this look on me, like, yeah, go, you know, like fuck the world kind of thing. And that's not who I am, right? And so I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know. And that was my headshot, right? I didn't, I didn't get called in for anything because I was trying to represent something that I really wasn't. But the the chair, you just talked about sitting in a chair. I remember uh, walking into an audition and there was a chair there and I didn't know what to do. I literally did not know what to do because I hadn't practiced with the chair and then I, I was in my head. They want me to sit. Do they not want me to sit? <laughs> and I, <laughs> I picked up the chair and I held, I held the chair for the whole monologue. I just hold <laughs> Well, oh my God, De definitely don't do that with a with a chair, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny. yeah. Like, the chair I, I gave no thought to my space. All I was, I wanted them to see how. Um, uh, yeah, I was doing a, a David Mamet model from it was like a slow model with a dog. Or little scrappy dog and uh i hadn't prepared anything but the emotion and yeah. i walked up and the chair was there and i'm and i i, I, I <laughs> oh man yeah it just it just goes to show you right it just goes to show you the traps you can fall into yeah if you, if you don't go through this thoughtful preparation uh we've had a nice message from bobby jared uh bobby man he's in the house we miss you too bobby thanks for um yeah joining us and thanks for tuning in to the to the episode tonight we appreciate it but we hope you're well hope you're doing good hope you're still making films acting doing all the good stuff that you do um but yeah um so yeah yeah just just exploring that right just just getting the space exploring these these different physicalities not picking up a chair um and holding it um would be useful as well so, <laughs> um so the, in terms of eyes and feet, what karen Kohlhaas also is a eyes and speak physical eyes and speak along with the gesture for each chunk. So if my description happens to be something along the lines of respectfully lecture, and I choose small and slow, uh, I put a to that point. You know, so if you're watching a movie, you're really enjoying something with Kevin Hart in it. And so now I'm being with my movements, I'm being small with my movements. And I'm, you know, respectfully, which is going to be totally something different than your approach to it. Yeah. It's going to make that very specific. And in the specific, give really wonderful experiences. So the, um, the chunk thing, like three, three, the description, the size and the speed, and then 
gesture to it. Yeah, no, and, and even, yeah, yeah, again, you had that extra layer on, and it's not saying you need to do all these things, but if you, if you do all three of, of those things, boom, you, you're going to stand out. You might not get the part because we can't, that's not in our control, but you're already starting to leave a, a lasting impression. You know, like I, I think if you, if you're focusing and, and doing the work on, on those elements, but, um, no, lovely, Jared. And unfortunately, it sounds just starting to get a little bit crackly again, my friend. It's starting to break out a little bit. So, hey, why, why don't we put, these, put it on ice there? We, we can explore the other uh, techniques in our next episode. We'll, we'll introduce the monologue a little bit as well and review some of these concepts, show people how they can apply it as of next week uh, too. Um, but, yeah, like, um, yeah, re- really enjoyed her, her world. Yeah, yeah, again, it's not it's not one that you – are probably going to spend months and months with, but it, what I love about it is you can watch it within an hour of this, this DVD and you instantly have things you can use for the rest of your, your life, like your acting career uh, through it. So um, it's one of those that you can really quickly take it all in and, and then, yeah, have it forever. And there's a book that accompanies it as well, right? So that's the, the monologue edition, the, the book that accompanies it too. So... Shout out to Karen Callhouse. Also, shout out to uh, Bobby's new film, Mad Cows from Planet Moon. Planet Moo, sorry. Mad Cows from Planet Moo. Coming soon. Sounds interesting. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Sounds an interesting one, Bobby. Look forward to seeing it come out. But hey, Jared, I appreciate you, my friends. Uh, don't appreciate your internet connection and I don't know what's going on there, but we'll, we'll get it sorted. We'll get it sorted for next time. It's all good. Um, and yeah, we, we still had a load of quality chat tonight. So it was, it was good despite the, the internet, you know, again, being against us. So there we go. Good stuff. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, my friend. We'll see you. Right. Yeah. Two weeks' time, and um, hey, tonight, and I, we appreciate you, Bobby. That's, that's nice of you to say thanks, man. Uh, tonight, massive game for Scotland, Jared, as well. I haven't, I purposely didn't even engage with it in my two guys talking craft prep because I was like, if I get my mind on that, I'm going to be so sucked into it. But we're playing Ukraine. It's one of those matches, to be honest, whoever wins, it's going to be a good thing, whoever wins in that, in that scenario. But um, yeah, we're playing them in the semi final playoffs to get into the World Cup. So. I'm going to check out the score right now and see see what's happening. But go on to um, YouTube and for mm. the New York Red Bull last okay. Player Morgan, he scored one of the beautiful professional I've seen in my life. Of course, because he's Scottish, you see. Because he's Scottish. That's 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 the thing. It's just it's just normal over here. I I can score those goals. It's just it's just how we're born. See, so I will check it out. Yeah, it's amazing. Go on. Up the Red Bulls. There we go. All right, my friend. Take care of yourself and the Pokemon. See you soon. Speak to you soon. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Bye.